Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special back-to-school, into-fall edition of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. It's like my favorite line of the week. You're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. We are delighted to be with you tonight. We are, of course, coming off many events over the past week and a half or two weeks, not the least of which are the Harvey devastation in Houston area. (laughs) Perfect timing on cue. And then, of course, shortly thereafter... We had the hurricane, which we all monitored quite closely, the Hurricane Irma in the Caribbean, and uh, making its way, obviously, through Florida in the last few days, uh, in a particular way, because our daughter, Anne Marie, is attending Ave Maria University in Naples, which is really the the southern third, a little inland Immaculee, so it's a little bit east of Naples. And then I think you have other things, uh, political drama always playing out. Not the least of which is the international situation with North Korea, their threat of hydrogen bomb nuclear weapons and the capacity to deliver them to the United States and allies in 30 minutes. And then you add to it, if you will, we talked about this last week, just the hurricanes metaphorically spinning about morally, spiritually in our country with our families, extended families, our siblings, our wives perhaps, our our children. Tell me we don't feel very often uh, the tumult, if you will, the storms shaking us and moving us and challenging us and forming us. And depending on the day and the moment, we choose to respond to the grace uh, in becoming sons and daughters of God, to claim this inheritance of grace that was purchased by Jesus Christ once and for all on his cross, made present to us in the Holy Spirit, being poured out. But let's just keep it honest. Um, depending on the moment, do we receive that grace, or do we find ourselves often mired in anxiety, mired in um, maybe even depression or despair? Some of that certainly can be physiological. We don't want to downplay that. But uh, how many of us are susceptible being really honest, to these storms that are uh, constantly about us. They reveal, I think, truly how deeply we may or may not be anchored. So tonight, we're addressing the theme, what is God saying when he's silent? Mm -hmm. What is God saying when he's silent? All of us have experienced that sense in the midst of a storm saying, God, where are you? Everybody has had their own circumstances for some broken relationships, loss of job, um, health situations, including suffering and death, um, fears overseas, um, multiple circumstances. We all have our own little story, but which of us have not felt, Lord, you know, you tell us in Scripture that you're with us. You tell us that you fashioned us in our mom's womb. You tell us that, you know, you've counted all of the hairs in our head, that you are very close to us, that we're tabernacles. Then, you know, why is it that Many times we may not have that experience of God, and maybe right out of the gates it's worth acknowledging that our experience isn't always the best barometer. The gauge that is our experience 
isn't an accurate reflection of God's true presence. But let's begin in prayer tonight. And we do want to invite you to call in. We want to invite you to call in and share with us a reflection of how have you experienced silence? And how has God changed you because of it? How has God spoken into your life in moments of silence? Perhaps you'd prefer the word desert or darkness. Those are all equally applicable. We mean the same thing. We're using the word silence. How has God spoken to you through a season of silence and made a difference in your life? Maybe somebody needs to hear that encouragement tonight. And the number is 877-275-8098. And I'm also going to direct those of you more savvy. uh, Perhaps most of you are connected to me through my Facebook page. Greg Schleter, Gregory Schleter, S-C-H-L-U-E-T-E-R. Um, and maybe that's more comfortable for you to be as you're tuned in tonight to interact with a comment or a suggestion just in the comments below. Um, be candid. You agree, you disagree. Uh, love to have your input as we're endeavoring to understand more fully the question, God, what is God saying when he's silent? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for revelation, the the root to reveal that you have made known to us and passed along to us, God, the truth that you are the author of all human existence, that you hold all things together in your being. Lord, which would mean that our very next breath is a testimony to your love in your presence. Lord, you, you know each of us where we're at right now. You know whatever silence we may be experiencing or desert or darkness. And you hear our hearts cry, God. And you recognize how often we do wonder where you're at. We give you permission tonight, Lord, to, to speak life into that experience, to make us aware of the opportunity you give us to love you all the more fully, not for what you give, for the gifts, but for the giver, for you, Lord God. But without diminishing the difficulty, without diminishing the challenge, Lord, give us a greater insight right now and tonight to all of our listeners, whatever desert darkness, silence they're enduring, how truly present you are doing your thing in it, accomplishing your work in it, that we are never closer to you than in these moments, that you even allowed your son, Jesus Christ, to reveal to us and numerous saints throughout the ages. Help us to claim this tonight, God. Help us to claim this truth and have confidence beyond our very limited, clouded experience. We know you deeply love us, Lord. Help us to be all the more aware of that love and to love you with our lives. And we ask this in your name, through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I do have my wife queued up. She's queued up. But she's also queued up to share with us a little bit about uh, a book she's reading. A woman whose actual cause for canonization was just initiated this past June as someone who I think can give us great insight, certainly, to the mystery of suffering, coming from a background, if you will, of great faith. Before we get to that. I want to, exactly. Before we get to that, <laughs> a little bit of just maybe a candor and folksy conversation sharing about our experience in the last week with Anne-Marie. What are your thoughts? Oh, is that what you, you know, I never know quite where this is going to go. Listeners. It's always more interesting on the spot. Well, no, because you direct me a little bit and then I go off on a tangent and then it comes back. And so tangents are good. Tangents are great. I love tangents. Um, this isn't too big of a tangent, though. Just listening to some of your opening words, Greg, and um, in particular about the hurricane, and for us in particular, and those listeners who have family down in Florida, perhaps, 
I felt like we were um, drawn so much, mm-hmm. you know, to the TV or to the radio or whatever to get updates, to see pictures, to see and hear the stories repeated over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again, just waiting for something new or mm-hmm. some word of something and watching the, you know, the path of the hurricane and praying and everything in between. Um, as you said, our daughter Annie is down at Ave Maria University. Um, so a little a tangent on the tangent. Listeners, I encourage you to go to their website, Ave Maria uh, University. You're not sure the exact <laughs> website, but if you Google it, it's right there. I think it's Ave Maria dot edu or something like that but um president tui the president of their university is just an amazing man and he uh would give updates has given updates um when he's been able to so just kind of tracking with that too and the faith of that community down Mm -hmm. there and how they reached out to those even you know just struggling more so and concerned about the the very poor residents in Immokalee, the town nearby them. And um, if you want some great inspirational spiritual reading, <laughs> click on the Hurricane Irma updates mm. on Ave Maria University's website because they will not disappoint. You will be moved mm. and inspired. So little commercial. Dot edu. Um, but just a real blessing. And of course, just with the connections of that university close by in Michigan and Tom Monahan and a true witness of what um, not just Catholic education is about, but Catholicity mm-hmm. in its finest. So mm-hmm. next tangent. Um, so as we are listening and watching, and um, I made a comment to Greg after day one or two or three or whatever it was, just imagining what it was like during the times of war, before the Internet, before the nonstop TV, mm-hmm. you know, we certainly have experienced stories and movies of, you know, families gathered around the radio at night for any updates or um, information that they could get. But just that waiting, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about silence mm-hmm. and um, just really praying for the grace. I think for all of these technological gifts that we've been given that can be used and are used hopefully for such good how much that's taken away and, and on many levels. Also, I found myself more drawn to the TV mm-hmm. for me personally than perhaps to really enter into that deeper prayer that perhaps I was being called to, mm-hmm. you know, the sensationalism, not in a bad, but just kind of like that next moment and plugging in. And certainly there's something so beautiful about being connected and feeling connected. Very Eucharistic in a sense that right. we keep returning every mass to the one Eucharist to feel connected with people. And in a sense, the news can facilitate that. The same information, nothing new, but it's it's good to recognize that there's something here also that's keeping us somewhat spiritually united. Right. So that is certainly a good. But again, going back to however many years ago during wartime, you know, how much more of a spiritual bond that those people would have had in mm-hmm. in a greater cross, even not knowing and just right. that waiting and patient endurance and all the virtues that that fostered. So just a little food for thought that, that really is still kind of um, haunting me in a good mm-hmm. way and what the Lord is trying to tell me in that. So I have here before me update number four from President Jim Tui of Ave Maria University down near Naples. Um, and this simple uh, pull quote, if you will, from what he shared with the entire community. Ave Maria University does not simply confide in the Lord during times of potential danger. 
This vibrant Catholic liberal arts institution has placed its care in the hands of God from day one. We have known adversity and difficulty in our 10 years on this campus, but we have witnessed the amazing and sustaining grace of God to overcome all of these challenges, and we confide all of our cares in the same merciful hands that brought us to this point. And then he goes on to say, and this is particularly moving, I do not know what path Irma will take. I do know what path we will take. We will do everything within our power to safeguard and sustain the students entrusted to our care. We will do so with an ardent trust in Jesus Christ. We are convicted that the Lord is at work in this situation and will equip us for what lies ahead. I will be here with my family, both Mary, his wife's name, and the three of their children. I believe they have a number of children, seven or eight, so three of them are at home with them, and the hundreds of Ave students whom God entrusts to me as my second family. As Mother Teresa encouraged us to do, we are giving God a free hand as Irma approaches. So we were blessed, Stephanie, to be united in a particular way uh, by knowing our daughter was down there, for making the decision of where do they go. She doesn't have a car, so it was a little bit of also figuring out who was going in the right direction. And um, and then, of course, you know, how does this connect with the campus's directives um, and guidelines? So what were your thoughts as a mom uh, having this interactions with Anne-Marie and kind of walking her through? Because she'll remember this forever. Right now, by the way, she is with our beautiful little I shouldn't say little friend. Her friend Ariel, uh, <laughs> roommate, little. dear dear little friend, uh, classmate, um, who's been extraordinarily generous. Uh, she called in last week with Annie, um, which was a very moving sharing, and she's lived through hurricanes in New Orleans. Um, so she called. They both called in last week, and they went initially to Panama City, and then when it was kind of found that the hurricane was making its way up to the West Coast, uh, put it in a place of danger. Um, so they moved even further to her parents' home area in uh, New Orleans. So we were interacting with Anne-Marie, kind of working through this and her own discernment and all that's involved with that. What was happening with you as mom in that interaction? um, First time, danger, hurricane coming, uh, wanting to get settled at school. I feel like we're having a cup of coffee, evening decaf with our listeners, sharing our little little life moments with our daughter. you know, I just, again, it's interesting. As many of our listeners know, she is our oldest, so this is all new to us um, in regards to that letting go phase. And, you know, she's 19 and a half. <laughs> Don't forget the she half. Um, so just very much knowing that, uh, again, the blessing that Ave has been to her and to our family and the prayerful discernment of those you know, who chose to leave those who, for whatever reason, you know, chose to stay. Some really didn't seem to have many options. And one uh, friend of Annie's in particular that I'm thinking of, she felt very called to stay, to be there, to help in whatever ways she could. Um, so just the gift of a very prayerful, discerning community. Um, certainly the the thought of, you know, a car full of young ladies driving, you know, 12 plus hours, you just hold them in prayer a lot. So I think I was um, certainly concerned and holding the, all of the people who evacuated in prayer, but knowing that they had more of a safety place mm-hmm. um, and knowing that Annie felt very comfortable where she was at and with whom she was with. 
Um, but it, my heart just kept going back to the campus and the surrounding area that we have come to know a little bit more personally with our trips down there to and from school and just what they would be experiencing and, and the faculty who've relocated their homes down there and, and just that whole thing, but just trusting, you know, you speak of prayer and, um, you know, the silence, maybe there were many who felt God was not answering their prayer as Irma hit homes in great devastation for many people. And, um, and yet we know that we have a, you know, a loving, a good and a faithful God. And so just how that is all intertwined and to rest upon that. And united us with other people right. that uh, we met mm-hmm. many people either through social media or phone or whatever um, that put us in a place of need. And in some sense, I want to pronounce that things like this hurricane awaken us to our relationship with God that is all the time, our radical dependence. So we may have a confidence tomorrow that our homes are safe, our, um, we have food on the table, or our job is safe. Whatever the case may be for us, the reality is underneath that it's very fragile from a human standpoint. We have very, very little power. And uh, so this hurricane, I think, serves to remind us of our real vulnerability on this planet. We don't know the day nor the hour of our individual lives. Uh, Many of us who who are older and even those who are younger uh, encounter people who are far too young to get life-threatening diseases and, and to die. It ought to put in front of us the fragility of this moment and the purpose of this moment um, which is what? Which is um, the sh- a shadow of eternity. It's meant to orient us toward that eternal life. And how, so I'm saying together, these kinds of moments, and throughout history, we hear the same story pronounced, war-torn areas, great persecution, it unites people. It truly fosters a holy communion. And I pray, quite frankly, as we experienced the hurricane and saw all this unveiling, you know, I pray that we see with with these true eyes all the time, not just when we have a physical hurricane, but the reality of the supernatural spiritual hurricane that's always in our midst that ought to unite us in our vulnerability uh, in something greater than each of us that transcends us and draws us into a, a greater true unity that, let's face it, we're all yearning for. We're empty without that sense of connection to other people. We see this happen at funerals. We see people who come together often who've been fighting maybe for years, but a common loved one dies and they come together. And there's oftentimes reconciliation um, and reunion. Uh, so that's all really neat. Um, you may want to share something else, but I wanted to, when you're ready to share with us the beautiful story as we've been talking about uh, these, the, you know, why God has this power. He's all powerful. He can put an end to storms. You saw throughout history, he parted the Red Sea. There are numerous stories of even epic miracles. And we ought to, by the way, pray um, prayers that are as big as God, if you will. We ought to have the audacity to seek God's grace for great things and entrust that to him. Now, the heart of that is God's will that is mysterious. We can't define or frame God's will from this side of things. It's, it's mysterious why he allows things to happen in his permissive will or why he actually acts on things. But um, the truth of the matter is, many of us looking at that may wonder, Lord, what's the point in praying? Why pray for anything if somebody's going to die anyways, if this hurricane's going to do its thing anyways? Where is your power in my prayer? I think it's a little bit of a byline to this question of what, what is God saying when he's silent. And so as a family, as we've been talking about this, the sincerity of coming before God, what's the point in praying? Are you, does God even listen? Um, it kind of led to Stephanie one day as we were driving a few days ago um, sharing with us 
the backstory and some uh, quotes from a beautiful woman in a new book that's out. And again, this woman that I'm referring to, I always get, pronounce her name wrong. She's from Italy, I think. Chiara. Chiara. Um, uh, her cause for canonization was just initiated uh, June, a couple months ago. But yeah, to one more little tangent, which isn't really a tangent because it's just finishing up what you were talking about. Something else that was um, very tangible to me during the last week as you know, preparing for Irma and the aftermath and whatnot, um, as you were talking about that unity, just the sense of community and the people who um, just called or texted or emailed inquiring if Annie had a place to stay, how she was, just a real sense of, um, you know, deep love. In fact, talking with Annie, she said that it was a reminder to her of how deeply loved she is. Mm. And not just with, um, you know, family members, but other friends, some people that we don't know super well, but just, you know, shot a little text or, or whatever it was. And that, you know, it is that sense of unity of community. I always come back to the JP2 quote, um, suffering unleashes love. Mm -hmm. So as much as, you know, there was that suffering, it, it stirs something in us to look outside of ourselves to see who is in need, you know, and, and certainly, again, keep coming back to Ave, also Ave Maria University and how they opened up you know, they're, um, the, the buildings there, as many of you know, are relatively new within the last 10 years. So they're whatever category hurricane proof and, you know, just a lot of the more modern up to spec, if you will, Floridian, um, things going on down there. And so the, um, the emergency people actually set up their command center mm -hmm. there, um, for that County. And, but they opened up the field house, um, you know, as a shelter, they brought in a Haitian family that was um, abandoned by other people who evacuated. Mm -hmm. It was this, you know, constant reaching beautiful, out. And, beautiful, beautiful, Yes. And so just, and who knows how that, you know, the Lord used that. And um, for the students who were there to serve in that way, to those who were served and everything in between. A kingdom mindset, a, a sense Absolutely. that this is more than just logistical and we care about human life, but a divine purpose and a sense that they've been blessed to be blessers. Folks, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. Um, we're blessed to have you with us tonight. Our theme that we're trying to weave through and invite your conversation <laughs> we're is... We're getting to it. Right. What is God saying when he's silent? We were talking about the hurricane. And I um, certainly invite you to join us uh, on Facebook if you'd like to make some comments. In fact, we do have our first comment. Thanks for checking in, Terry. And uh, Terry said, God just reminding us, speaking to the hurricane, he is in charge. Maybe this will bring some people back to the church. And indeed, mm -hmm. uh, we have to affirm that when we're when we face... We love the pettingers. Woo, woo, woo. That was mysterious, just made incarnate. The wind, nice. The so again, join us uh, in this conversation. Call in at 877-275-8098. If you're a Facebooker, go find me, Gregory Schleter, and uh, comment below. It's the top post that I have, and share with us your thoughts, your interaction, your comments. We're delighted to have you part of this program. Okay, so I guess I'm, without further ado, as Greg mentioned, I was, um, I've been reading this book on Chiara Corbella Petrillo. Petrillo? Chiara Corbello Petrillo. <laughs> I'm not Italian. I'm Polish and German. Sorry. And the title of the book it's is? It's called A Witness to Joy. Mm. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story that um, our daughter Catherine, notice I said our daughter, not my daughter, um, 
uh, read while she was spending some wonderful time with her grandparents um, a few months back and picked it up off of their shelf and just loved it, sat down and read it and laughed, cried, and um, just really felt like I would enjoy it. So it was a Mother's Day gift that I've been trying to work through. Mm -hmm. And basically, without going into every little detail, and every little detail is so beautiful, so I encourage you to find the book, A Witness to Joy. Um, But Kiara and her her husband, Enrico, um, just uh, the book starts out beautiful, talking about their beautiful relationship and kind of how they came together and broke up and came together and ended up getting married. And it's written enough to get the women to read. That's right. It's written um, by two of their very dear friends um, who walked this journey with them. And I believe they met in Medjugorje um, and just became fast friends and whatnot. So the long and short of it is um, beautiful spiritual things intertwined, but they conceived a child early on in their marriage and came to find out that this child, um, quote unquote, was not compatible with life, which I hate that phrase because the life is already there and mm-hmm. whatever. But just the beautiful journey that that pregnancy was and she carried little Maria full term and um, she lived, I believe, like 30 minutes or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's it's like the details of that and the reflections um, by both Kiara and Enrico, um, and the friends were also very present, again, walking that journey with them, come to f- um, a next pregnancy very soon after a little boy and um, who had an unrelated um, sickness, completely unrelated. It was, you know, not a genetic thing. There was no chance of this happening again. And it was something very different. But this child too, it was, uh, they came to find out would not survive um, very long, if at all, outside of the womb. And he too died um, 38 minutes, I believe, after he was born. I should say a spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, so again, the book, this, the words just not saccharine whatsoever, a real acknowledgement of the pain and the suffering, but just as profound, even more profound and more beautiful God's presence in that and, and how they opened up their hearts and their souls to what the Lord was wanting to give them, which was a much different gift. Fast forward a little bit, third pregnancy, um, baby completely healthy, seemingly healthy, um, but they found that Kiara had a lesion on her tongue that was of great concern. And again, I know we're you don't want the full blown version of the story here, but ends up being um, terminal cancer. And so she knows that she is going to die. Um, she has little um, David. I don't know what the Italian form of David, David, Davide <laughs> is. Um, but just again, her beautiful, beautiful journey and their, their baby, David ended up being completely healthy and perfectly healthy. And, um, and yeah, I'll leave it with that. She obviously ends up dying shortly thereafter, but even the cross of, of, uh, that she embraced with knowing that she wasn't going to be there to mother him, in his early days of life um, and months of life allowed her husband to be the one, you know, to 
get up with him in the middle of the night to feed him just so he um, mm. Enrico became that comfort that it wasn't, you know, something else that that little child had to deal with, but just this beautiful, beautiful story. And, um, before you read that, uh, just more context for you, our wonderful, uh, audience, um, many are asking the question, God, where is your power? And we Schleters and others throughout the world as Catholics are wanting to all the more be open to all God desires, the fullness of our Catholic faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. We do have confidence and stories in our own lives, in this own community of real healing, including miraculous healing of terminal illness. We've experienced some of these things that have been profound. Our whole family has been blessed to be instruments of God's grace in spite of being sinners. We've talked about that in other programs. And our children, I think, in particular, as children are apt to be in a good way, that challenges us, are very keen on hearing these words, you know, Jesus saying, you will do even greater things than you saw me do, um, and, and wanting to take God at his word, and maybe asking the question, certainly the medical professional realm, God gives us gifts certainly in that area, but when's the last time we've, we really opened up the door to pray over one another who are seriously ill and seriously sick. So as Stephanie was sharing the story, um, some of her children were really talking about this, the power of God also, and asking the question, if God has, has given us this power, why doesn't he heal? Or why does healing not take place? And, of course, we can talk about suffering. We can talk about um, Pope John Paul II, Mother Teresa, etc., the blessing of how it forms us, literally, in union with Christ on the cross. And this is a distinctive inheritance, I think, of Catholics from the very beginning of our faith, the church that Jesus gave us, is an understanding that we are called to participate in the sufferings of Christ, that there's something very sanctifying about that. Um, So... Just to make the point that this is a family that I believe was very attuned to the power of the Holy Spirit and wrestled with these questions, God, why do you allow this? You know, what are you saying in this, if you will, silence? And uh, especially now it's the mom, right? The mom who is is terminally ill, who foregoes any treatment so that her child can live. And um, anyways, here's her quotations. So it was just confusing that with another story. A little uh, correction to the baby who was born healthy was Francesco, another little boy. David was the one who died. So um, this is what Kiara wrote in her journal that was just very powerful. So if you wouldn't mind me reading it to you, I think you will be um, very moved by this. She writes as his mother, who is David? A little one who received as a gift from God a very important role, that of knocking down the great Goliaths that are inside each one of us, knocking down our power as parents as we make decisions about him and for him. He showed us that he would grow and that he was like this because God had need of him like this. He knocked down our right to desire a child that was for us because he was only for God. He knocked down the desire of those who call him a child of consolation, the one who would make us forget the sorrow of Maria, again, the little girl, their Mm -hmm. first baby who died. He knocked down the trust in the statistic that claimed we had the same probability of having a healthy child as anyone else. He unmasked the magical faith of the one who thinks he knows God and then asks him to be the candy vending machine. Mm -hmm. He demonstrated that God performs miracles, but not with our logical limitations, because God is something greater than our desires. 
He knocked down the idea of those who seek not salvation of the soul in God, but only that of the body, of all those who ask God for a happy and simple life that does not at all resemble the life of the cross that Mm. Jesus left us. David so little hurled himself with strength against our idols and cried out with strength in the face of those who did not wish to see. He forced so many to run for shelter in order not to recognize their defeat. Mm. And I thank God for my having been defeated by little David. I thank God that the Goliath that was inside me is now finally dead, thanks to him. No one has succeeded in convincing me that what was happening was a misfortune, that it derived from the fact that we were distancing ourselves from God, even if only unconsciously. I thank God that my Goliath is finally dead, and that my eyes are free to look beyond and to follow God without having fear of being what I am. Absolutely tearful, beautiful, heartfelt response. Um, And just that knocking down the Goliaths. I mean, what insight that sometimes maybe we get it wrong. We want to see healing, those of us, and we regard it as spiritual. You know, we want to see God's power manifest, and we consider that as maybe faith, but maybe sometimes woven in there is our control, is a kind of Goliath quality that needs to let God be God and uh, and see God's beauty and his purpose woven into less than our appraisal of what is perfect. I want to piggyback that with a story that was in the paper this past Sunday. Um, and I must say, for those who are maybe critics of of the secular liberal progressive press and duly noted a lot of that merits critique and uh, and challenge um it is delightful when in mainstream secular press we can get articles such as this that that radiate God's grace. The, the title of this article, which was on inside the paper, wasn't on the front, Cancer Claims Mom After Baby is Born, byline, Michigan Woman Carried Sixth Child, rather than, than Undergo Treatment. And that's I was kind of confusing that with the Kiara story. But I want to read this for you, uh, folks. It's so, so beautiful. And the story made press throughout the country, maybe the world, but certainly throughout the country, took place, uh, it's out of Detroit. A Michigan woman who sacrificed the chance to prolong her life so she could give birth to her sixth child died early Saturday, her husband said. Nick Declan said his wife, Carrie Declan, 37, died surrounded by family at University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor. He said among his last words to her were, I'll see you in heaven. He said, we stayed by her until she took her last breath. It's in God's hands now. Doctors removed Mrs. Declan's feeding and breathing tubes on Thursday, a day after she gave birth to her daughter, Life Lynn Declan. The mother chose to forego chemotherapy to treat her brain cancer because it would have meant ending her pregnancy. Life Lynn was born prematurely at 24 weeks and five days into the pregnancy and weighing one pound, four ounces. Mr. Declan said his daughter is doing better than expected in the neonatal intensive care, gaining weight and almost breathing on her own. He says she's going to be fine. She's going to be here for four or five months and I think he means in the treatment area, but we expect her to be a healthy baby. The doctor just said the timing of the birth could have could not have been more perfect. The couple who are from the western Michigan city of Wyoming have five other children who range in age from 2 to 18 years old. Mr. Declan said the family is strong in its Christian faith. 
Now, this is just beautiful, quoting him. My wife loves the Lord, and she loves her children more than anything. It's painful, but this is what she wanted. She wanted to protect this child. Since Mrs. Declan's cancer diagnosis in April, the family has been sharing updates about her and her pregnancy on their Facebook page. Posted on that page Saturday was a reference to John fifteen thirteen, which reads, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. You're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, and we are posing the question, what is God saying when he's silent? We're talking about hurricanes, physical, devastating hurricanes, and the supernatural spiritual ones that spin about us. We're talking about uh, the story of this beautiful woman, just the cause for canonization opened, who died of cancer, uh, following the birth of their healthy child and her beautiful words. I just shared with you a story uh, that just came out this past Sunday of a woman, child number six, who chose uh, uh, against life-saving chemotherapy so that her son could live and um, daughter could live, I should say. And while we were kind of contemplating tonight's program, what is God saying when he's silent in these stories? And tonight, brothers and sisters, weave your own in there. You know, what are you uh, struggling with? What silence, darkness, desert is in your life right now? And what's God saying to you in these moments of difficulty? I want to share with you a song that hit me in the radio as I was coming back from having dropped my kids off at work. And uh, I actually stayed in the car to listen to the end of it. It's by Mercy Me. And I just want to play that song for you right now. It's called Even If. So just listen to the words as we ask the question, what is God saying when he's silent? They say sometimes you win some. Sometimes you lose some And right now Right now I'm losing bad I've stood on this stage Night after night Reminding the broken It'll be alright But right now Oh right now I just can't When there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say When I'm held to the flame like I am They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I had right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength.
beautiful. That was Mercy Me. Awesome. You are tuned into Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. And we are trying to probe the question a little bit more deeply. How is or has God speaking or spoken? It's a grammar day. Um, in the silence, in the silence of our lives. What is that like for you? We're encouraging you, our listeners, to call in 877-275-8098, 877-275-8098, or interact with us on Facebook, Gregory Schleter, S-C-H-L-U-E-T-E-R, on that page and post your comments there if you're more comfortable doing that. Um, Many of you know my story growing up, and uh, I'm one of 12, 11th out of 12 children, nine boys, three girls. And um, our mom, who was uh, pregnant with baby number 13, seven months pregnant, in fact, um, on her way to the March for Life um, to speak out for those who have no voice, she and my father went on their first March for Life trip in January of 1976, and uh, 39 years old, and she died peacefully in her sleep without any health conditions or issues or um, a very unexpected thing. And so listening to that song and even this conversation, and as we're encouraging you, our listeners, to call in, that's where my mind goes. Um, I'm sure my father felt as he came home after losing his wife and unborn son uh, to raise 12 children that ranged in ages from 3 to 17 I'm sure he experienced a lot of silence in his mm-hmm. world. And um, I never, ever remember him uh, turning away, at least in front of us kids anyway, or mm-hmm. even years after that in regards to the faith or acknowledging um, God's goodness and his love and his faithfulness. And even though he never understood why, um and I'm sure he prayed for a lot of different things, <laughs> you know, in this, in particular in those first years of grief and in all the grief that my siblings and I put him through, I'm sure, in the years to come. you were such a rebel. I'm sure you ramped right. up that to That's a whole right. new level. But just, uh, I, I feel so blessed by the witness of my dad and um, in, in his faithfulness. And, and he wasn't a loud, preachy kind of guy. He certainly... <laughs> when he needed to, had that booming German voice. But, um, you know, just really taught us in the day-to-day ordinary things um, that that's how God spoke to him. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, um, you know, anything super profound in words, but just that over and over and over, the example of what God calls you to, he provides for. And I think that was the answer in his silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so... At MassImpact.us is our website, and the name of this movement God has called us to, Mass Impact, both to impact the masses with the mass, which is our very drama, it's our nature, exactly. Um, And so the the, uh, Facebook, my Facebook page... um, Twice a week, I, I ask for petitions. I simply put it, um, what can we lift up for you right now, and what thanks can we give for prayers answered? And they are always among the most popular posts that I post. And I do go through, we do go through sometimes as a family, reading through all of them, but I certainly do personally. And it's an occasion for brothers and sisters who don't even know each other often to pray for one another and how beautiful it is to be united, that it's a, if you will, the, the blood, we'll call it the blood, the blood of, of something that's 
that's piercing us, right? The need in prayer for us or for someone else. We feel a little bit of that blood that is both death and life in Christ. Um, for th- through these wounds that we have, when we share them, it's an occasion of uniting others. Uh, and so um, I'm always moved um, by the sharing of these prayers and how, if you will, community comes out and prays for one another. Um, I want to share with you, I certainly give you an opportunity there. Um, if you go to my page, you will see uh, that it's there. If you have special needs for prayer that we can lift up for you. But um, some quotes, particularly on suffering, um, because I think we are, unfortunately, might come to view faith as a haven free from suffering, even though we know theologically Christ died and that the Mass, we may know that the blessing comes through brokenness. So we may know this is Catholics conceptually, but when it really hits, um, maybe we forget that we're, we're never closer to God than in our suffering. And how much throughout all of Scripture we see this theme of suffering as an occasion of being conformed to Christ. And so just a few passages, certainly from Romans 5, 3 to 4. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. There's a quote by a St. Madeline Sophie Barrett who says, As iron is fashioned by fire and on the anvil, so in the fire of suffering and under the weight of trials, our souls receive that form which our Lord desires them to have. St. Ignatius of Loyola, If God gives you an abundant harvest of trials, it is a sign of great holiness, which he desires you to attain. Do you want to become a great saint? Ask God to send you many sufferings. The flame of divine love never rises higher than when fed with the wood of the cross, which the infinite charity of the Savior used to finish his sacrifice. All the pleasures of the world are nothing compared with the sweetness found in the gall and vinegar offered to Jesus Christ. That is, hard and painful things endured for Jesus Christ and with Jesus Christ. So there there are many, obviously, wonderful quotes. St. John of the Cross, one of my favorites. His book, Dark Night of the Soul. The whole premise in understanding the spiritual journey that all of us are taking and must take. He, he describes how when we first encounter Christ, there are these great consolations that God pours forth into our lives, this sensory awareness of his love. It may be on a retreat or an ignite or uh, whatever it may be that um, is very um, sensible, if you will. And we may unfortunately hang our hat of our relationship with God on that experience. In fact, for many, they're, they're kind of going, trying to keep preserving that sensory experience. And when they lose it one place, they may actually, you know, this is the way I frame it, be worshiping emotions in the name of God. That's a pretty powerful statement that should speak to all of us. It's a good question to us, in fact. Do we find ourselves worshiping emotions or sensory experience in the name of God? But St. John of the Cross, so understanding and reflecting on this as we must undergo sort of a period of dryness, of darkness, if you will, that purifies our hearts and ennobles us to worship God for who God is, for God himself, to find that anchor. We talked about that great path, passage, Matthew seven twenty four to 27, being anchored on solid rock versus shifting sand. The solid rock endures the storms, endures the hurricane Irma's of our lives. And that, that rock goes deep in our suffering, how we deal with suffering. And if, if I'm to be honest, as a husband and father, I blow it a lot. I blow the opportunities 
of relational suffering or, or emotional suffering or physical suffering, I may blow the opportunity to unite that with Christ and to go all the more deeply with him. So St. John of the Cross's quote, the road is narrow. He who wishes to travel it more easily must cast off all things and use the cross as his cane. In other words, he must be truly resolved to suffer willingly for the love of God in all things. Beautiful. I just, I think of, gosh, just to see things through the lens of eternity, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to diminish the suffering that so many people um, endure, whether it's in a marriage or a, a real health issue or something with their children. Um, each of us have our own personal crosses and many tremendous suffering. You know, I think there's so many people right now popping into my mind that have asked us for prayers, um, not to diminish that whatsoever. But when we are given the opportunities to lean in to the Lord and come Mm -hmm. closer to him in that way, and to be able to look at it through that lens, that eternity is what matters. Our salvation is what matters. And if this is what it's, what the Lord has asked of us, to draw closer to him because of it, praise God, mm-hmm. you know, and to pray for that mindset now ahead of time, you know, for those of us who, you know, in the grand scheme of things don't have um, the suffering that so many others do in this moment, pray for that grace because we're all going to experience it right in some way mm-hmm. through different um, episodes in our lives. And, um, just to, again, to see into eternity, mm-hmm. to see with mm-hmm. the lens of um, what the Lord desires right. for us, what he's trying to teach us in it, and to keep coming back to that mm-hmm. and to look outward. And um, I just wanted, I know the music has started, but I wanted to uh, just very quickly invite people. You had mentioned Ignite. Mm-hmm. We do have some Ignites coming up next week, September 19th at St. Peter in Huron, beginning at 630 um, September 20th, Most Blessed Sacrament, um, 6.30. And the same night, September 20th, Holy Trinity, um, theirs begins at 7. So we invite you in those communities mm-hmm. and surrounding to come as a community to worship our Lord um, in His Holy Presence. Mm-hmm. We are so blessed as Catholics to have that Eucharistic presence right there, to come before him with these intentions, with our crosses, with mm-hmm. the suffering that we may have or that which we carry uh, for and with others, to just bring it before the Lord in that way. Uh, adding on to that, Stephanie, just for our listeners to be prepared and attuned to some really exciting things, um, I know it seems like a ways away, Advent you know, or months away, but it's nice to know it's on the horizon and maybe hit it not cold, but hit it kind of knowing it's there. So just store this kind of in the back of your head that we're going to be doing a region-wide presence for Christmas like we began four years ago, and then we kind of experimented, did it at different locations. This year we're doing one epic uh, regional presence for Christmas four consecutive weeks at St. Joan of Arc Parish, and it's going to be on Wednesdays in Advent, beginning Wednesday, November 29th. We're very excited about that. Another thing that is emerging for our listeners to know is that this Live It Gathering Guide um, has become sort of a, a, a tool 
for men's groups, women's groups, youth groups. You've heard us talk about this, parishes. It's, it's been a guide to be an occasion for people to talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. In the new year, we're rolling this out in an epic way. Um, anybody who doesn't want a group of people committed to you praying for you, that encourages you, supports you, understands your story, holds it confidential, and maybe even challenges you or encourages you in that way. That's what we've been experiencing with core mission teams at parishes throughout this diocese. And in 2018, if you are interested in in, uh, being part of such a group, uh, the commitment's going to be really simple. It's going to be seven weeks. Now, obviously, like anything else, it takes commitment. We know people are, quote-unquote, busy. There's always busy things. And by the way, all of those on these core mission teams are busy. They've got a lot of kids. they got jobs. But they've done it, and all of them would give testimony to how it has made a difference in their marriages and families. So most people can say, hey, I can do that seven consecutive weeks on the regular time. And they'll have a ver- variety of times to choose from uh, to go to these in-homes. There won't be more than four couples gathered with you as an occasion. Uh, there will be single opportunities also if you're single to be in single lit groups but just note that that is coming note that it's happening already and it is coming it'll flow right from the advent uh, beginning literally what that means uh, advent experience of presence for christmas into the new year 2018 and for couples in a special way on january 13th we're going to launch that with father nathan cromley on a day-long retreat that will also take place at saint joan of arc we'll give you more details about that later but um, we're taking a different approach with that also it's going to be a mission couples retreat so it's great for when couples are preparing for marriage and they get married. It's great to have retrovi when couples are maybe struggling and in crisis. It's great to have those renewal opportunities like marriage encounter. Absolutely awesome. The unique approach that we're going to be taking with Father Nathan is couples on a mission which we believe is is just a great way um, often missed for couples to grow together to recognize you share a common mission to impact the world around you. So that's going to launch us into those lit groups. So, um, just one final thought that actually came from the book, A Witness to Joy, the story of Kiara. Um, she and her husband had the blessing of going to Turin, which wasn't too far from them, to sh- see the shroud. And their uh, spiritual director told them, when you are there and kneeling in front of the shroud, don't just see the passion, mm. but see the resurrection. So to our listeners now who are experiencing a silence or experiencing a suffering or a tremendous cross, I just encourage you to um, take hold of those words in your hearts, to not just see the passion and the suffering, but know that we have a God who has already claimed victory for us, mm. that we have a God who wants us to be part of that with him to be a resurrection people, the power of the resurrection alive in our lives, even amidst that heavy cross. Let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for moments of silence and stillness. You say, be still and know that I am God. And often it does take uh, a David to slay the Goliaths in us that are pining for, um, pining for stimulus, pining for an excitement, pining for some kind of song or movement or experience that's going to speak to our five senses. And Lord, when those Goliaths are slain, Lord, how you truly inhabit our inmost souls, how we truly learn of you. We give you permission, God, tonight all the more to inhabit us, 
We entrust ourselves to you whether we experience you or not. We give you our struggles, our challenges, our strengths, our joys. We give you our spouses, our children. We give you our pastors, our bishop, our pope. We claim this world for you, Jesus. We claim this region for you that all the more they would come to know you and live for you and that all of us might be drawn together into that eternal place where we will worship you forever. We ask all of this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you. Speak what is true.